Welcome to the Today's Market Explained podcast. I am your host, Brian Castle, and with me, as always, is the amazing co-host, Chris Reardon. Chris is the Director of Development, and I'm the CEO and founder of Four Star Wealth Advisors. Our promise with this show is to share the most important investment opportunities that we are seeing in ways that are easy to understand and hopefully even easier for you to benefit from so you can make money quickly and easily by investing. Each episode will detail the most important market updates and how best to benefit from them. And we will also be interviewing subject matter experts who can give insights into new and exciting markets and other investment opportunities. So to maximize every episode's value, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com to download, quote, 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals, unquote. Trust us, this free gift will be your cheat sheet for reaching your financial goals in the shortest possible time. And to see all the best and most valuable moments from this episode, please go to Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Now, let's see what's happening in the financial markets. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the four-star Today's Market Explained podcast. Um, I'm Brian Castle. I'm I'm your host, and my co-host is Mr. Chris Reardon. Chris, are you there? I'm there. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to be on the show. I think you are. Uh, welcome, Chris. And, and just by way of reminder, everybody, Chris is our four-star director of development, master of all things portfolio, trading reports. He still loves his Cleveland Guardians now. <laughs> it used to be the Indians, right? And yeah. uh, and actually, we have one uh, one rear none now, and we have a couple more on the way. So that's exciting stuff. So Chris, welcome uh, to the latest episode. Thank you very much, Brian. And I will add the Cleveland Guardians are now number one in the uh, AL Central. Well, there you go. Okay, well, that that's good. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Brian Castle, founder and CEO of Four Star Wealth. I'm an Eagle Scout, trustee of the National Boy Scout Foundation, philanthropic advisor to uh, clients, advisor to CEOs and insiders, uh, chief dad to Quinn and Evan, and husband to the amazing Tripti. Just a commercial, if you like what you're hearing, Please tell your friends, share them with our share their pod, the podcast with them, and get them to sign up. And then give us a five out of five in Apple iTunes. Uh, so, Chris, we're going to do our standard program today. No interviews. We're just going to talk about the economy and the markets and what's out there. Um, so, uh, Chris, we've had some changes. We're, it's been about three weeks because of vacation since we've done a, a taping. So, where do we stand as far as the markets go? Yeah, so we've had a little bit of change up. Um, not, I guess not a huge amount, but we've definitely seen some mix-ups here. Uh, number one is still commodities. It's got about 278 tally points, uh, and it did move down 12 points from our last podcast. So we did see that continuation of commodities uh, slowly um, rolling off um, kind of the highs. If you guys remember, it, it topped that around 320 tally points. So it certainly has come off that, that high. Uh, number two, we have cash. It's at 193 tally points. Uh, it lost four points as well from the last podcast. So uh, it's a positive sign. We're starting to see cash move downward slightly, uh, which, which is overall good to see. Domestic equities in the third position. Uh, it's at 186 and it gained 10 points. I know we've had a little bit of a, a, a mini rally here uh, and we're seeing that showcase here as domestic equities has moved up uh, 10 mm-hmm. points. Fixed income as well gained 11 points in the fourth position. It's at 171 now. So uh, domestic equities and fixed income have actually been moving in lockstep for the most part 
uh, upwards. Um, so in that three and four position, uh, they are slowly starting to ca uh, catch cash. So if this trend continues, we could see domestic equities move into that number two position potentially over mm -hmm. the coming weeks. Uh, international, international equities did move down seven points in fifth. It's at 148 uh, tally points. So that continues to deteriorate. And currencies is still in last position at 114 and it gained two points, but still by far uh, in last place there. Um, thanks, Chris. So, so the trend here, commodities ranked number one, pulling back a little bit. U.S. stocks starting to work a little bit better, gaining ground. Uh, international stocks still losing ground. And then uh, some of the, uh, you know, like cash is losing ground a little bit. So the people are looking to maybe take more risk. So after the markets bottomed, at least in the recent uh, trade, sometime in mid to late June, I don't remember the exact day, but then we've seen a couple of weeks of rally after that. The week of July 11th was down on fears of recession. Then we've seen the market rally ever since then. We're taping this today on the 11th of August. And the breadth of the market had been narrow, but it's starting to uh, gain a little bit more volume. Uh, we did have uh, an, a jobs number that was deceptively strong. Uh, so the Fed, the concern has been the Federal Reserve is trying to raise interest rates to ward off inflation, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And with that strong number, which we think will be revised downward eventually, but um, everyone got excited about that number. So the markets rallied big the other day, this week. And so now we're seeing a lot of indicators turn positive. Um, and, the, and the lower volume has uh, turned around and it's become stronger. And we're, we're up 15% from the low on the main indexes and 20% from the low on the NASDAQ. So we've had a big rally. Uh, and that's where we are right now, Chris. Um, and uh, anything else on the markets there? No, yeah, I mean, I'll highlight this week, uh, we had that 20, the NASDAQ did touch that 20%, which technically puts it into a bull market. Uh, so we are seeing a pretty good run here, as you were saying, Brian. Um, but, you know, I think all eyes really still lead back to looking at the Fed. Um, and it's really been a week by week basis as, as the market and investors have really digested each number that comes out, the impact that'll have on inflation and what the Federal Reserve will do. Yes. So um, we did have a rally um, similar in, in scope back in uh, March. And then what happened was the news kept coming out that was more and more negative. And so then the market turned right around, went back down, broke the lows, went a lot lower. Uh, we might've seen the lows. We talked about this in our last podcast, but we might not have, right? We could see the market turn around and keep going lower if the economy gets worse. We'll talk about how the economy can get worse from here if it is going to. Um, now the federal government uh, today is planning in the House to sign to vote in uh, the latest spending bill, which is mostly about green energy and and uh, priorities of the of the of the ruling uh, leadership in, in the White House and in Congress. Um, but they're saying that you know we're in we're in a recession. We've already had two quarters of, of uh, negative growth, and there's four hundred thousand. Uh, level uh, that will be the highest level that people will be taxed on. There's going to be new taxes issued, but I think technically they're saying no individuals would be taxed if your income is below 400,000 that level. But a lot of businesses are flow through uh, to an individual tax return. So many of the small businesses are going to have higher taxes 
So while they're technically correct that maybe individuals won't have higher taxes, a lot of people with incomes less than 400 are going to be taxed through businesses. So like everything, when you deal with politicians, you're not always getting the full story um, because there's just not enough money among the top 1% to raise that kind of tax money that they want. So um, anyway, so there's going to be new taxes. Um, and Chris, the inflation continues, although it's faded a little bit. Um, we'll have demand destruction from the inflation if we don't reduce inflation quickly. Uh, consumer spending will decrease, and then that will eventually affect corporate earnings. So they really need to move fast to get inflation down. Uh, just yesterday, the president came out and said, this month, there was zero inflation. Now, that's not really true, because uh, we were up, Chris, what was it, 8.6%? percent 8.5. Yep. 8.5% on the CPI year over year. But it was higher year over year last month at 9.1. That was the highest number that came out. So compared to last month, there was zero inflation or no growth in inflation. This month, that's what the president means. But that still means the numbers are really still high. There's big inflation, some, some record inflation, right, Chris? Yeah, and I think one, one thing it's important to point out is, um, and I think the president said this is some things went up, some things went down. I think it's important to note is a lot of the things that did increase uh, a lot of families and, and just general uh, people will, will still feel. Um, actually, electricity prices still rose uh, 1.6% uh, baked into that number. Food prices rose 1.1%. And I think it's important to point out that's the seventh consecutive month of an increase of 0.9% or more for food prices. Uh, wow. Those continue to move upwards, and rent prices increased 0.7%. So, you know, food, lodging, electricity, all those still increased, and that still will hurt uh, individual families, or they'll still feel that, I should say. Uh, but I think where, where everyone really felt it and where, where we saw the most movement was in gas prices. I mean, if anyone's filled up their car lately, it's obviously been refreshing. It's off the highs of over, over $5. I think it just averages now below $4. I think it just fell below that on average. Um, around the country. So uh, we are seeing it in certain areas. Airline fares have certainly decreased, uh, hotel rates, things like that. Uh, but the base necessities for families, even though the, the consumer price index came down from the high, uh, some are still increasing certain areas. Well, and then uh, you said gas prices were down. So airline fares were down also because that's fuel related, right, Chris? Month over yep. month? Yeah, yeah. So gas prices were down 7.7% and airline fares were down 7.8%. So huge drop-offs, I would, I would say, uh, from those two areas in particular. And I think that was that was the big driver behind that number, um, is we saw massive drop-offs from gas airline fares. And these fares got ballooned up over the summer, especially. I mean, these were big yeah. drivers uh, behind it. But uh, it's still important to point out that some of the, the base things are still moving up, base necessities. Now, what about the other uh, income numbers, PPI, CPI? Yep. Yeah, so um, uh, we just talked about the consumer price index. The PPI uh, was up 9.8% year over year in July, so still a very hot number there. Uh, it did pull back, just like the consumer price index from the June number, which was 11.3%, uh, but still a very high number. And a lot of economists, a lot of people look at uh, the producer price index as kind of a um, crystal ball, if you will, into what the CPI is going to be. Because uh, obviously, if producers have to pay more, they usually tend to pass those costs along to um, to whoever's buying them. So 
Uh, that's that's still a hot number, so we'll have to continue watching that. Uh, the personal income uh, rose by 0.6% in June. Uh, so that's positive, but I think it's important to, to look at it. If you factor in taxes and inflation adjustments, uh, that number actually comes out to negative 0.3% uh, personal income. So um, after you factor in a lot of what's going on, we are seeing people losing purchasing power, really, is what that would uh, show. Uh, U.S. household spending, though, is up 1.1% in June uh, from a revised 0.3% increase in May. So that's positive, and I think that kind of talks about what you were mentioning, Brian. Um, we still are seeing some spending there. Now, the fear is, is if we see that start to taper off and we see that start to, to, to go lower, uh, that would start to you know, drive even bigger uh, recession and fears and, and a worse recession, I should say. Yes. Uh, personal consumption expenditures price index, which is kind of what the, um, the Fed looks. It's a, just another way to look at, at household expen uh, spending. Uh, that was up 6.8% in June year over year. Uh, versus 6.3% increase in May. So uh, that June number was good to see. We don't have the July numbers yet. We'll have to wait and see see what that gives us. Um, the Institute of, for Supply Management uh, Index, that's uh, kind of US manufacturing uh, activity. This is what it showcases. It was at 52.8 in July, a slight decrease from 53 in June. So we are seeing some uh, contract or moving downwards in that um, index, but it's important to note anything above 50 is um, uh, growing. It's not It's not in contraction at all. So um, yeah. overall, it's, uh, it's still kind of a mixed picture, I would say. Yeah. One of the confusing things too is that labor force participation rate uh, of course, when we went through the pandemic, that uh, every you know thirty percent of the people left the labor force. Everyone left the labor force for a period of time, but then uh, all that's mostly come back. But we're still now at the lowest labor force participation rate in normal times, sixty-two point one percent. Right, Chris? Yep. Yeah, and that did decrease in July. Uh, it was by point one percent. It was sixty-two point two percent in June. Um, but you know, as you alluded to, Brian, in the earlier, I mean that. Kind of deceiving uh, employer uh, jobs number of 528,000 uh, that came out for July. Um, you know, there, there's a um, kind of a separation there, really. You have things that are pointing to a strong market. Then you have some underlying um, ways a lot of this is, is calculated that, that's kind of deceiving some of these numbers. The unemployment rate is still at 3.5%. But you still have about 623,000 fewer people in the workforce be than mm -hmm. before the pandemic. And there's a lot of people that just never even went back to, to, to work. So, um, you yeah, know, not quite, not quite 5 million people have never gone back to work who were employed uh, in March of, two, of 20. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and what what has this done? I mean, it it, put, it puts the market in a very interesting situation because you have U.S. job openings are still uh, really highly elevated. That's six hundred thousand now. Um, uh, you know, so we still see high job opening levels. It is decreasing, uh, but that's still there. Um, and then this is also driving up average hourly earnings. So average hourly earnings are up five point two percent in July, and and that's the. Um, that's the I think the uh, um, the eighth time this year that we've had uh, wage gains exceed five percent each month. So um, you know we still have a pretty strong job market, although signs are pointing that it is starting to weaken slightly. So it'll be interesting to see how how that goes. 
Well, and mortgages were uh, got above 5% as rates were spiking upward. Now that they're back down below 5%, although in talking to real estate executives around the community, um, real estate uh, transactions have slowed down dramatically. So a lot of the real estate companies who uh, broker uh, homes are girding for, for impact, if you will, you know, how, how much this will affect them. Uh, some say they're down 30 or 40% year over year in transactions from this point last year, how quickly we have fallen because we are at record levels of activity and prices in April. And then of course, all the way through July, the average home price keeps going up. So there is still an overall trend where housing needs to be developed in America, but in the short run because of rates, and, and, and other factors that could be slowing things down in the short run. So in every, um, in every bullish trend, whether it be home sales, there's always little counter mini trends backward uh, before they resume an upward trend. And that's kind of probably what we're seeing right now because there's still a lack of home development in certain areas. Plus I think people's expectations for what they want to live in are different. Uh, a lot of folks want to buy newer homes and then a lot of the older homes don't get sold anymore. So sometimes whole, older homes are torn down and, and, and people want to live in newer dwellings. So there's that trend as well. So more and more people have always lived in a newer home as America has developed and grown so much in the last, say, 50 years. So um, if, if transactions continue to stay slow, well, then it might affect real estate prices, but it would probably be more... Uh, in localized areas and maybe not a big national trend, but you know you never know how long these these trends go, Chris. Like it could, it could end up, you know, really affecting real estate prices if it goes on for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think one like you said in the beginning, there still is a supply and demand mismatch. I think which is is in the favor of um, home prices in the short term at least. Um, so I think with what I've seen out there, they have kind of we haven't seen these drastic overbids, maybe those have kind of either slowed or gone away, depending upon the ge geographical location with, with where you're at. But um, I, we haven't really seen kind of a, a full collapse in, in housing pricing yet. Uh, we definitely are going to see a slowdown. I mean, you know, if, unless you really have to move or sell, uh, you're heavily incentivized not to sell, right? Even, even if mortgage rate <laughs> around 5%, you know, if you bought your home four or five years ago, you're looking at a, you know, a 2%, 2.5%, 3% mortgage. Uh, most people are reluctant to sell and then buy a new house with a you know two or three percent higher mortgage rate. Um, yeah. So so we are seeing that that slowdown in transactions, but for the most part, we've seen home prices uh, hold up relatively well so far. And we're going to get a more of a read uh, today, and there's a, a nice podcast interview we'll talk to you about a little bit later regarding mortgages too. So that's a important thing because uh, we all own homes and. And, uh, and use mortgage uh, financing for real estate. So um, now we've been talking, Chris, a lot about inflation. I just want to make some comments about that. You know, inflation right now is out of control. It's at uh, record levels since the 1970s. And it was caused by a lot of uh, government policy, uh, driving energy prices up. And then, of course, then once it was already underway, not beforehand, then the war in, the, in, in, in Ukraine with Russia and Ukraine fighting uh, took some of the grain market off, off the market, uh, that's minimizing now to some extent. Um, but then a lot of our policies limited uh, supply of uh, fossil fuels and oil. And we were the largest producer in the world. So we went from the top producer in the world to less than the top producer in the world 
through government policy and reducing uh, supply, cutting off pipelines, um, cutting off drilling in federal lands, drilling um, in offshore federally controlled locations. So um, we did create some of this inflation. And so hyperinflation is a bad thing, obviously. We've seen that in third world countries. We've seen it in countries in, in South America where hyperinflation destroyed their currency. But the reality is, is we do need some inflation. We need one to 2% inflation in a normal economy. Um, the opposite of this, of course, would be deflation. And we've talked uh, about the ills of deflation for a long time, Chris. You know, when, when you can buy something cheaper in a month than you can buy it for today, you're going to stop buying, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it really or, um, it really motivates people to just not purchase and, and um, to save, really, which obviously is something that's good. But, you know, when you're talking about the general economy that's based off of people spending, going out, buying goods, um, all that stuff, once that starts to grind to a halt, uh, a, it, it's very, it spirals, it's really uh, bad for the economy, and B, it's really hard to get out of a deflationary environment because it's really hard to try to re-jumpstart that engine, if you will. Uh, so that, in most cases, you know, people look at deflation is, is the worst case scenario. Um, we do not want to be anywhere near that. Um, we want a healthy yeah. inflation. Well, and because of demographic trends, the aging of America and of course, Japan has seen this in probably the most pronounced way, and China as well, where their one-child policy is, is leading to a much more aging society. The demographic trends keep inflation from, from gurgling up. So we're always fighting to you know, keep inflation high and not fall into deflation, because that was the biggest risk. So we do need kind of 1% to 2% inflation, and the Fed's target is to keep uh, price, prices around 2% in that range. Consumer price index. So while we're beating up on inflation, I just wanted to make sure we covered that. We definitely need some inflation. We just don't need it eight or nine percent. And by the way, if we calculated inflation like they calculated it, changed like they calculated in the seventies. You know, we'd be back in the high teens and you know, close to twenty percent, and with the current metrics and in our inflation. So it's as bad as it was in the seventies. It's just calculated differently. So anyway. Um, and we talked about mortgages were above 5%. Now they're back below. So maybe the real estate uh, prices will resume a little bit and transactions will resume a little bit. Um, but, but, you know, we'll see. So that's where we are in the economy. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some new things we see out there, Chris. And then I've got some strategy discussions I want to talk with everybody about as well. So what do you see out there, Chris? Well, I think uh, we've talked about the Top Gun Maverick movie that came out this summer. That was a massive hit. Well, I just passed the Titanic at uh, all time at the all time uh, domestic uh, box office rankings for for the most grossing film. Uh, so it came in at number seven now. Uh, it's grossed six hundred sixty two point five million in the U.S. alone. Uh, so it's you know kind of a, I would say a cultural phenomenon. I mean, you know, it ranks up there with likes of Titanic. Titanic, which is obviously a, a very good movie and had huge significance there, but you also have of a lot of the Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, you have some very, very big names, heavy hitters up there. And then you have Top Gun Maverick, which is, <laughs> it's kind of, I think, pretty funny. Uh, and then Samsung just came out, they released their new Galaxy Z Fold phones. Uh, and they, the price nice. that they put on this uh, was $1,800 for their new, uh, new line of phones. So, uh, wow. 
it's pretty ridiculous pricing. I mean, now we're getting essentially phones that are that are getting priced at the point where they're essentially computers. You can get computers for even cheaper than that. Uh, so uh, we continue to see a increase in pricing on, on the uh, cell phone market. Yeah, well, and Apple continues to do extremely well. And and uh, if anybody has been watching the uh, big de decline on the first half was technology related stocks. They're, they're starting to recover now. But one of the best performing of those big tech names was Apple. Apple's all the most, almost all the way back up. Uh, so anyway, that's where we are. Hey, the other thing that, that I see out there, Chris, I was uh, um, hearing uh, from the, uh, the comments from the CEO of Uber that um, they're getting a lot of new drivers and 70% of their new drivers are adding work to pay for the higher prices. So it is starting to affect uh, people out there. They don't want to dip into savings. They don't want to take more money out of their uh, savings um, accounts and such, but they need more money to pay for the higher prices and the goods they normally buy. So that was interesting that people are taking jobs because of that. Um, so anyway, uh, then the other thing I just want to comment on, just as far as what we see out there, we talked about the strategy of protection of the downside, that if you can avoid big loss in a bad market, um, you'll be that much better off when things turn. And so we designed the four-star uh, protection program where uh, four of our portfolios either go to 100% cash in some conditions or go to 50% cash. And the idea is to try to avoid major loss. So why do we protect the downside? Well, I have a really good story. Met a guy um, at a restaurant in New Buffalo, Michigan. And, you know, it was a fun day. It was a Saturday, beautiful, hot day. We were all chatting. And uh, I saw this gentleman has Steelers shirt on. Uh, and I'm a Bears fan, Chicago Bears fan. So he had a Pittsburgh Steelers. So we started, started talking football. And then he said, well, what do you do? I said, I'm an investment advisor. He said, oh, boy, my portfolio is down. My portfolio is down 20%. I said, is Joe from Pittsburgh? I said, Joe, so what did you do? He said, I, I'm scared. So I took a part-time job working at a grocery store because I don't want to dip into my portfolio. I said, well, um, what did your advisor say when you're down 20%? He said, well, I really don't work totally with that advisor. I have a broker kind of person. So he doesn't really have a good advisor. And a good advisor might tell him, Chris, you know, if you're down 20%, that's not the end of the world. It's not great. But that's kind of the far end of where you can be and have it not affect your life. Like he probably is okay, but he's a little scared and he wants to go back to work and get a little bit of income to make sure that he's got a cushion. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you can keep in a big market decline, uh, the pullback to, you know, 10 to 20%, you're probably okay because you can make that money back in the near term. But if you're down 30, 40 and 50%, Chris, isn't it right? That's where you have big changes in your life. Yeah, I mean, once when you're down 40, 50 percent, that's where you really dug yourself into a hole. It, it's a lot harder to get out of that and recover. And and that's I think that where you can really see that is we saw that for a lot of people in 08, 09, uh, where, you know, they were down that 30, 40, 50 percent in some cases. Uh, and a lot of them had to go back to work and stuff. So, you know, if you can maintain uh, even hold it at around 10, 20 percent, you're in a much better position. Absolutely. So if you're down 50%, if you do the math, everybody, you'll have to double your portfolio. So think about how long it would take for you to double a portfolio from a standing start, like right here. You put in, you know, $100,000 into an investment account. How long would it take to get to 200? 
on normal conditions about about a decade. So if you're down 50 percent, you have to you have to wait for another decade to make your portfolio back. So if there's a way you can avoid all that loss, boy, that would be the best thing to do. And that's why we designed the four star protection plan. Uh, this time, of course, we got a commodity rally. So it helped one of our portfolios, a dynamic, which was not only not down, it was up um, 4% on the first half. So we feel very fortunate that that happened uh, and lucky enough that our, our models did pick that up. But if investors can avoid major loss, that's really the key. Um, now, one of, the, one of the big issues that we've talked about here um, about uh, oil prices and about uh, all the issues that are being caused in the American economy is, is policy failure, where our elected officials are making the wrong moves. Now, they may be making the right moves for their constituency or for their long-term views on things, but if it's affecting the economy, and at least from the economic perspective, it's a bad move. So it's affecting it so much that now even uh, the, the party of the current president is saying they don't want him to run for re-election. I, last I saw in the New York Times poll, 94% of people who say they're a Democrat don't want our president to be renominated, and they want other candidates. So that's just a reflection of, of uh, the policies of the, of the inflation and allowing crime to, to, to foster around the country. So a lot of things are going on uh, that aren't, some are economically related, some are not, but it's enough that, pe that it's affecting the politics. And so we have a system in America that renews the political system. Um, if people don't like what's going on in the economy, they usually blame the president. Right now they are blaming the president. And sure enough, um, you know, it, it appears there might be a change um, of party in the fall because of that. So the politics and economics are always somewhat tied. And we're seeing that clearly a melding of those two issues here together uh, here in the last year and a half, certainly this year. So um, anyway, uh, and I did want to mention one other thing. You know, we are talking about changing from fossil fuel environment to an environment where we have electric vehicles. And, and everybody's in favor of that, of course. The question is, is how quickly? And I just heard an interesting uh, discussion uh, on the presidential daily briefing. A shout out to Brian Dean Wright, who does this. And this is available on Apple iTunes and all the other services about Hawaii um, passed a law where they had to get rid of all coal plants by September of 2022. It looks like they've achieved that. But they haven't been all built all the facilities, Chris, that would take care of solar, wind, and all the battery production for electric vehicles. So uh, clearly, um, they're probably moving too quick. And they've already said the energy prices are going to move up sharply in September. And maybe it's going to get a lot worse, but they really don't have it together. So without having a reliable source of energy, why would, why would our public officials want to make that kind of change? That's when you restrict supply and prices go crazy. That's kind of what we're seeing. Who would do that? I mean, it doesn't make sense, but apparently Hawaii is now going to be a no fossil fuel state. Ironically, to achieve the electricity that, that they need in the short run, since they don't have enough generated from wind and solar, they're going to be relying on oil, but not coal. So they got rid of coal, but they're going to be relying on oil to make up 180 megawatts that they need every day. So um, it, it's it's a kind of a crazy environment here, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that anytime you, people try to 
synthesize a very, very complicated and complex problem to something as simple as, all right, well, let's just end this and end fossil fuels and be dependent by 2025 and, you know, everything's going to be hunky-dory. There's so much that goes into that. A, I don't know why you would, you know, start, you know, removing the coal plants before you even had the actual proper uh, energy uh, from whether it's solar or wind. Uh, But, you know, to build this solar wind plants, um, you know, any of these things cost raw materials. And a lot of these, as we've talked about, a lot of these raw materials, you know, you need to mine that material. Do we have the capability to mine the material to build this uh, properly? I mean, there's so much that plays into that. Um, And everyone tries to synthesize it. Well, we need to do this. We need to build electric cars. Well, you know, that's a lot of copper, you know, are we comfortable then strip mining the earth to get copper to build all these, you know, it's not as simple of a solution as, as they wouldn't make it seem. Um, And I think that that's something that's important to point out. And, and, you know, I think like you said, Brian, it's important we move in that direction, but it's important we have a plan, a sustainable plan and a plan that's going to work. I mean, it's what we're trying to solve here is hence global warming. And the key word is global there. Um, You know, we're, we're doing all this, um, economic hurt on ourselves, really, a uh, pain we're inflicting on ourselves. And, you know, you have China who's, who's pumping more CO2. You have a war going on. They're detonating bombs. I mean, pouring, you know, obviously these are horrible things, but I think we have to take into consideration the U.S. making these monumental changes uh, could have no impact on the global order, world order as is. So um, I think everyone just, I think would do this country step back and actually put a, a reasonable, sustainable, and, and good long-term plan in place instead of these ridiculous plans to, to do things in five years. Yeah, too short, too quickly. And uh, of course, the voters are already in polls are already saying that you know they want change and the people are moving too quickly. So um, anyway, well, we'll see how all that plays out and what the voters do. And uh, we'll see how quickly we can move to renewable energy sources. Uh, clearly everyone's in favor of that. It's just a matter of how quickly and, and what kind of shock therapy we have to go through to get there. Um, but that's about all we had for today. Um, there are some blog posts that out there that are interesting on the leadership matrix on fourstarwealth.com. We have an article about uh, goodbye to the green lawn about the, the drought in California and uh, it's pretty severe. And so they call California the golden state, but it's not because of the riches that are out there. Of course, there are some. Uh, but it's actually about the brown hills because there's uh, all the grass browns out. Uh, as, as a friend from California told me that the other day. Uh, also, airline fares going under $300. That's a big thing because uh, we lost our travel culture in America during the pandemic. Then our air freight exploded now because of fuel prices are back down. Then also uh, an article about cutting the cord or stopping the stream about different channels to consume electronic movies and and TV shows and everything. So there's big changes happening in the cable industry. And uh, so that interesting piece on that. And then also there's some podcast interviews out there on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify in the Four Star Podcast. Uh, We have the Barones, uh, Bob and Josh Barone. Bob is a Fed-level economist, the former chairman of the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco. He and his son, Josh Barone, run Universal Value Advisors, and they're also four-star advisors in our Reno 
location. They were with us on July 18th, and they have some interesting comments about the economy and about how things are slowing down and what it looks like. And then also um, the founder and owner of Insta Mortgage, uh, Shashank Shakar. Uh, we did that interview on August 4th that came out. Uh, so if you want to learn a little bit more, more detail about the mortgage market, that's a very interesting interview. So, um, so have at it, everybody. And uh, thank you for being with us. Um, Chris, I think that's all we got, right? Sounds good. I think that's about it. Excellent. Well, um, on behalf of our great four-star team here in Chicago, we got Laura, Chris, um, and Chris, of course, uh, Jack, um, and, and, and Kamal, uh, also uh, Brian, Tucker, and Karen on the East Coast. We've got Tom, uh, we've got Mitch, uh, and, and, and all our recruiters. And so we're signing off until the next podcast, everybody. Thanks for, be thanks for being with us. Uh, don't forget to give us a five out of five ranking. And uh, we look forward to having you on for the next episode of the Four Star Podcast, Today's Market Explained. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about maximizing your stock market returns with the least amount of time and effort, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com and download our free guide on the 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals. If you felt any benefit from this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this with anyone you think will also find value and benefit from this. And please follow Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube to see all the short video clips covering the most valuable moments from today's episode. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to tell you everything we're seeing in the financial investment markets. This podcast is provided by Four Star Wealth Advisors for the general uh, public and general information purposes only. The information is not considered to be an offer to buy or sell any securities or investments. Investing involves the risk of loss and investors should be prepared to bear potential losses. Investments should only be made after thorough review with your investment advisor, considering all factors including personal goals, needs, and risk tolerance. Four Star is an SEC-registered investment advisor, maintains a principal business in the state of Illinois. The firm may only transact business in states in which it's notice filed or qualifies for a corresponding exemption from such requirements. For information about Four Star's registration status and business operations, please consult the firm's Form ADV disclosure documents, the most recent versions of which are available on the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov.